This week's episode of the Arc Tactic Podcast is brought to you by UGallery.com. Discover the world's most talented emerging artists from the comfort of your home on UGallery.com. UGallery.com is the leading curated online art gallery, featuring a diverse collection of quality original works at accessible prices. Artwork ships free, arrives at your doorstep ready to hang, and comes with a 7-day money-back guarantee. Browse our collection at UGallery.com. That's the letter U, gallery.com. This week's episode of the Art Tactic Podcast is also brought to you by Artbase. Did you know that Artbase is the best love software in the art world? Artbase offers products that do everything you need to run your art business. Track your art and your contacts and cross-reference them. Make invoices, generate consignments, run all kinds of reports. Even use it on your iPad or iPhone at art fairs or while you're away. Take it from the thousands of happy Artbase clients all over the world. Artbase is the right software for your art business. Visit artbase.com to find out more. Thanks for listening to the Art Tactic Podcast. I'm Adam Green. In this week's episode, we're joined by Nate Freeman, senior staff writer at Art News. Nate covered Art Basel extensively, and he's here to recap the fair and the mood of the market with us. Nate, thanks for speaking with us. Of course, Adam. Before we get into Basel, I wanted to ask you a question about Brexit, which just happened a few days ago. Everyone's speculating, it seems, on how it may impact the art market. What's your perspective on this when looking at both the short-term and medium-term effects? Well, it's sort of a little too early to tell exactly what's going to happen, but clearly uh, the markets are sort of in disarray. The pound is is, is sort of tanking, and so there's going to be some short-term and long-term effects uh, of Brexit. I actually happen to be in London on Saturday night, and I got a chance to talk to a few people in the art world and the art market um, and uh, some collectors whatnot. People seemed pretty much unconcerned. They think that you know there was there's been so much movement and excitement in London uh, just the past few years uh, with um, auction houses opening new spaces, galleries um, opening up Gagosian and just opened up another space in London and I think Perhaps this will be the end of that boom, um, but it's not like the art market is going to just evacuate London. But that being said, if it's not quite the same sort of center of European banking as it has been, I know a lot of banks are moving um, staffers out of London, that's going to uh, be reflected in the art market. We're already seeing um, the auctions taking somewhat of a hit just because of their proximity to Brexit today, the Phillips sale, um, uh, 10 of the 31 lots failed to sell, which is a pretty uh, striking number. And we'll see what happens at Sotheby's and Christie's in the next few days. Um, but I think that is going to be affected just because it's so soon afterward and people are a little freaked out. Um, I, I know that some people, from what I've just been reading and what I was hearing in London, some people think that it's good because if the pound is low, more people could be buying in London. But really, I think that people are just going to be spooked out. A lot of people lost a lot of money already, a lot of British collectors. And, you know, they might not think this is the time to put a consignment. Um, they might think that it's just not the time to engage in the market on the level that they were. Um, so it's going to be, you know, there's some uncertainty, um, and it's a bit troubling. But we'll have to see what happens. Moving over to Basel, you wrote a piece early on in the fair you spoke to several mega galleries, and it seemed like things were off to a good start. When it was all said and done, how do those galleries assess how the fair went and what the mood of the contemporary art market is at the moment? 
Well, because you mentioned those galleries, you know, uh, I think the dealers that I spoke with, you know, like from Hauser and Worth, from Kagosian, from uh, David Sverner Gallery, those guys are just, you know, they're the experts. They know what to bring to Basel. Um, and they know the, uh, the clientele is going to be at this particular fair. And so, because they've been doing it for so long, they, they, they know how to engineer a booth that will hopefully sell out and will certainly be a success. They know which collectors are going to be there, looking for what, uh, looking for specific works. A lot of it is pre-sold, essentially. Um, so they did very well. Um, overall, I think the fair was stronger than people might have feared, uh, especially given the auction season uh, in New York that, that immediately preceded it. Um, you know, the total uh, haul of those May sales was less than half of what they were just in November. So that was a little troubling. But, you know, fairs operate in different ways from the auctions, and a lot of people are much more comfortable putting uh, work up for sale at fairs and buying it at fairs because there's more discretion, um, and it's just sort of a model that they feel comfortable in. Um, and that might not be the case with auctions anymore, at least not right now, um, from what we've been seeing. Um, so I think that the fair was quite possibly more of a success than people anticipated, given uh, the fact that we're sort of in a down market, even Brexit aside. Um, and yeah, a lot of booths did very, very well. Hausenworth said they sold out in a few hours, which, you know, is pretty incredible. When you talk to a dealer and they tell you that everything's great, everything's going fantastic, you know, they want to project success so they can say that. They want, you know, me to write about how great they're doing and how healthy the fair is, but it doesn't really matter if you don't have the sales to back it up. Um, and for the most part, the sales were, were there. Um, and that's definitely a good sign as it's the end of the uh you know, the market year and you don't really want to be going into the doldrums of summer with, you know, a very poor Basel hanging over your head. It just doesn't bode well for uh getting back in the game in September. Touching on what you just said about sellers choosing to sell works at the fair, uh a lot of people noted there are a lot of eight figure artworks at Basel this year. What do you think the reason was why we saw so many high-priced works at this edition of the fair? And did, did a lot of them sell? There's always a number of eight-figure uh, works for sale at Art Basel in Switzerland, just because it's the primo sale fair in the world. And this is where, you know, you're going to have the collectors who come every year, who are comfortable spending that kind of money. Um, maybe these collectors don't make it to Miami or to freeze in London or New York, but they'll come to Basel because it's the fair. Um, so you always have that. There might have been a little bit, uh, there might have been a few more this year just because maybe they thought, the, the the owners, the galleries, maybe they thought it would be better to sell them at a fair rather than uh, have it been signed at auction just because um, the auction model seems to be undergoing transformation right now. And there's just a better chance that they would sell at a fair. That being said, some of those works, at least um, from what I know, didn't sell. The Richter that was at Kogosian on sale for $20 million, as far as I know, didn't sell, unless it did and, and nobody told me. Um, and the, the same goes for the Jackson Pollock that was at Mitchell, Ennis, and Nash. That was on hold very early in the fair, and that was for, uh, for sale for $25 million. But... Um, you know, by the time I left Basel on 
Sunday on the last day. It hadn't sold yet. Um, but, you know, at Unlimited, there was a Frank Stella that sold for $14.5 million. That's eight figures. Uh, and that's really exciting. And like that's the kind of work that might not get that much money at auction if you were to put it up there. Or even worse, maybe it wouldn't sell at all. You see so many passes, even at, you know, the evening sales. It's kind of scary to uh, consign a work like that into an auction. So they put it in Unlimited. It sold. Were there a few noteworthy artworks, regardless of the price point, uh, that were really talked about throughout the fair by the audience that stood out to you? Well, um, there were. Basel is just such a, a, a fair that's geared toward the market and selling that you sort of get lost in, you know, the sort of supermarket aspect of it where it's just all of this work that it's hard to really single out particular works in the midst of just so, so much material. Um, but at the same time, there were some works that I think people were talking about. Um, certainly, the Hans Optebeek, the collector's house at Unlimited, people got really excited about that. It was just, you know, one of those works that was so immediately catchy. You know, this this gigantic recreation of a collector's house in this ashy gray that kind of recalled possibly the ruins of Pompeii or something. I think that's what it said in the uh, on the wall text. People were talking about that. People were talking about the William Pope L performance that was at Unlimited a lot. That's where the artist was in a white gorilla suit, sort of wandering around the Mitchell Ennis and Nash booth, um, like knocking things over and then eventually climbing into a limo. That was something that was like a real spectacle. As soon as I got to the Unlimited opening, uh, I ran to Mark Spiegler, the director of the fair. He says, you have to go to Michelinus and Nash Booth right now to see this performance. And it was pretty wild. Um, what else? I mean, that, that, that Richter at Gugosium was one of the few Richters that were on sale for, you know, the mid-high seven, possibly even eight figures. Um and those really stood out. There was one at Marion Goodman's booth that I thought was excellent, 18 meters long. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, the, the the one series of works that stood out because I thought that it was kind of a disaster were the uh, Julian Schnabel's at Pace Gallery. They are sort of uh, arranged in their own little temple. Uh, it, it, it brought to mind, you know, like the Rothko Chapel in Houston, except instead of Rothko's, there were Schnabel's, yeah. um, which I, I didn't think worked work quite as well as maybe uh, Pace Gallery hoped. But that's just my opinion. I talked to a few people that really liked them. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, I could go on. There, there was a lot of you know highlights at Illuminate, as there always are. It's such a spectacular uh, display of, of you know large-scale works. Gianni does such a good job curating that every year, and I think it's really getting hard to top year by year. Um, so yeah, there were certainly a lot of highlights. Interestingly, you touched on the really large crowd sizes at the fair this year. Was it particularly larger than in past years? And what does that say about the fair and the market right now? It certainly seemed like there were a lot more people than in years past. I, I got the fair on the VIP preview day very early, so I didn't experience this. But a half an hour into the fair, I looked around and I was like, where is everybody? And I finally ran to a friend who told me that the line outside was just, like, insane. It was impossible to get in. Um, and so that definitely gave the uh, impression that it was a much crazier opening than years past. And sure, um, I think that something like an art fair has become 
uh, more of interest to, you know, the general population, people who either want to start collecting but don't really belong to this world yet or just want to see the fair. And so I think there's going to be sort of more of a spotlight on Basel in Switzerland each year. Um, but the thing is, I looked at the attendance figures, and uh, it was 95,000 people attending this year as opposed to 98,000 last year. So apparently there weren't more people. Um, <laughs> but it certainly seemed that way. I think that part of the reason for the long lines was it was raining, and they had this uh, kind of annoying bag policy where you had to check your bag across the mesoplots before you could come in, and you couldn't bring umbrellas in. I, I think it was for security reasons, but I think that that might have been the reason why there were so many lines. Um, I mean, I, I, I do feel like there's more of an interest in Art Basel and Basel each year, and it's becoming slightly more than more of a spectacle than in years past. It's, it's never, nothing close to Miami, which is just, you know, absolute insanity. But there was this, you know, big gala on Monday night in Basel, something that you never see in the past, like Duran Duran performed, and there were these Hollywood celebrities there, and that's not something that you've ever seen before. So in terms of uh, sort of the glitz and the, uh, you know, uh, the noise surrounding the fair, that's getting a little um, louder. But I guess there weren't technically more people than last year. It was pretty much the same. And lastly, we've seen some fatigue in the market for these younger, highly speculated artists, at least at auction. Do they have a presence at Basel this year? You know... Uh, there is that fatigue, and the thing is, like, you you don't if you're trying to really sell out your booth, you just don't really bring those kinds of artists um, because you just don't think they're going to sell. At the same time, um, there are booths, especially upstairs, where you know it's kind of less frenzied than like the really blue chip downstairs, and in the uh, statement sector, you see um, these sort of younger, highly speculated artists that are there. Maybe not to, you know, sell. I mean, of course, you'd want them to sell. But they're sort of there to really, you know, like punch up the booth a bit. I'm thinking of someone like Darren Bader, who is a young artist who I, I, I really like. He had this really fun video, really actually amazing video at the Sadie Coles HQ booth upstairs um, that uh, somewhat unexpectedly featured the videos of uh, Billy Joel and Elton John and imagine this world where they, you know, were out in the middle of the ocean together or something. It's really something to behold. If it ever comes online, just definitely watch it. And then there's something like like Sol Calero's work at the Laura Bartlett Gallery booth, also in statements. Oh, I'm sorry, Sadie Coles wasn't in statements. She was just upstairs. But Sol Calero at Laura Bartlett in statements. You know, again, not uh, a speculated artist, but, but a young artist. Um, and her work was fantastic. It was a, uh, a cash-changing station. That's what it looked like. And it had a um, videos playing this telenovela that she wrote and directed that was quite funny, um, as well as some video work from some of her peers playing on another television, um, and a lot of cool tropical plants and stuff. So that was a really cool installation. It was for sale as one piece. Um, what else? Uh you know, um, I, I I guess the answer to your question is yes. There were some of those artists there, um, but they were in either the same sector or at galleries that understood that it was good to have um, exciting 
uh, new work from young artists that might not sell um, at the fair level, but can really enhance their booth and, and really add something to the fair in general. Nate, thanks so much for coming on the podcast and chatting with us about Brexit and Art Basel. We can read your writings in Art News, and you're also tweeting quite often about the art world and the art market. What's your Twitter uh, handle for our audience? It's nfreeman1234 is my personal Twitter handle. And then, of course, Art News Mag is the Art News Twitter handle. Perfect. Nate, thanks again. We appreciate it. Of course, Adam. It was a pleasure. Love talking to you. Thanks again for listening to this week's episode of the Art Tactic Podcast. This week's episode is brought to you by Gallery. Discover the world's most talented emerging artists from the comfort of your home on YouGallery.com. YouGallery.com is the leading curated online art gallery featuring a diverse collection of quality original works at accessible prices. Artwork ships free, arrives at your doorstep ready to hang, and comes with a 7-day money-back guarantee. Browse our collection at ugallery.com. That's the letter U, gallery.com. This week's episode is also brought to you by Artbase. Did you know that Artbase is the best love software in the art world? Artbase offers products that do everything you need to run your art business. Track your art and your contacts and cross-reference them. Make invoices, generate consignments, run all kinds of reports. Even use it on your iPad or iPhone at art fairs or while you're away. Take it from the thousands of happy Artbase clients all over the world. Artbase is the right software for your art business. Visit artbase.com to find out more.